Welcome to Theatrically Speaking, the very first playwriting podcast. My name is Jonah Knight. Season one is republishing the long-lost first episodes of the show from back in 2007. And season two begins the new episodes. Now, a few things have changed since 2007, like the website. For more information about Theatrically Speaking or my other podcasts, please visit actualstorypodcasting.com. Next, back in 2007, you could number your episodes however you like, and I did this very creative numbering system that included episodes 4.1, 4.15, 4.2, and no actual episode 4. The numbering that the episodes have in your feed is the order that you should listen to them. So, welcome in to the Theatrically Speaking Wayback Machine. It's time to talk some plays. I hate movies, I don't watch TV, I can't read books, and I don't take kids to the zoo. Video games are gonna rot your brain, and all these internets are for idiots. But I love you, baby, dear, but you ain't no Shakespeare. Try to make me to be high class, and I would David Bammon on your ass. Hey, and welcome to Theatrically Speaking, episode 9.1. My name is Jonah Knight. I am your host. This is almost a playwriting podcast. How are you doing? Uh, there's been a lot going on, and uh, today's episode is uh, is kind of divided into two sections. The first bit is going to be the housekeeping section, where we sort of t- uh, do the, the emails, we talk about what's uh, been going on, other plugs and things like that. Uh, second part moves into the subject of today's episode. The subject of today's episode is Tech Week uh, and uh, playwrights' uh, involvement in that and that sort of thing. And uh, and we'll get to that in just a little bit. Um, so first of all, I want to thank those of you who uh, wished me luck and congratulations with the new baby, uh, baby Milo. Um he is he is fun, and he is five weeks old now. Uh, and the first and most important person that I got to thank there, uh, as from the from the uh, theatrically speaking community, is Lee Shackelford. Thank you so much, Lee, for those two episodes that you did. Uh, absolutely right. Playwriting is kind of uh, playwriting. Podcasting is this this thing now where once you get started, you have to kind of keep going. If you lose your momentum, uh, you lose your audience. All in theory, there we'll see what happens. Uh, it has been about just about two months since the last episode that I recorded. I mean, I did put that program out there for you guys, which I'll tell you what, surprising number of downloads for that program. I don't know. I don't know what that's about. Um, and then uh, and then Lee put in uh, two episodes there to try to keep the momentum going. Thank you so much, Lee. Uh, I appreciate that very much. And I thank those of you who uh, who've uh, you know congratulated me and Lisa on Milo. If you're interested more in Milo, uh, this is not going to turn into the Milo show. But um, if you are one of my MySpace friends, or if you're not, but you want to see a baby picture anyway, because if you're kind of like a baby picture kind of person, uh, I got pictures up on the MySpace thing. Which you're certainly welcome to check out, but uh, it's not a requirement for this show. So throw that out there. Thanks very much for that. Uh, let's see. Other thing to plug uh, before we before we get into the emails here. It has become uh, my my intent has been to to get back to doing these shows uh, a little bit quicker than I've been able to do it. Uh, the sleep schedule that Lisa and I have gone through has me up 
uh, kind of late, kind of late uh, until like three or so. We're doing a weird thing, but we're trying to sort of move into a normal sleep pattern. And my initial thought was that since I was going to be up in the middle of the night, I would possibly be able to record some of these things in the middle of the night. Hasn't quite happened. Uh, and uh, this is not in the middle of the night. This is uh, in the afternoon. But um, but I think that we've hit a, a, a scheduling thing now where I can do this weekly is the goal. Uh, it may be every other week now and again, but I'm pretty sure that I can do this weekly now. Um, so we're going to get back into that. If, if we are a little um, stumbly with the releases of these shows, I, I ask your forgiveness in advance. But it has, uh, because of that, because I'm up in the middle of the night now, I find that I'm able to do a little bit of writing, um, though, uh, it, though not so much uh, big stories and things. I'm not working on a new play at present. Uh, what I have been doing, and if you've been listening to the shows, you know that I'm an advocate of knowing uh, different forms, different mediums, and being able to write in different mediums. And it occurred to me a while ago that one of the things that I've never actually tried to do writing-wise is any sort of journalism. I've never really written criticism, you know, papers in college and things like that, but I've never really written essays or I've never written reviews or anything like that. Uh, so I've, since I'm up in the middle of the night and I can actually do that, my brain can work in that capacity now. I've started a couple of things that you may be interested in, uh, and I'll sort of throw them out there, but I'll, I'll tell you just a little bit about them now. At uh, jonahofthesea.com, if you click on blog at the top, you're going to see a continuing series now that I'm starting uh, totally not playwriting related uh, on the blog there. It's, uh, I, I am, and I don't know if you think this is interesting or if you'll, uh, I don't know, you may think this is sacrilegious or something, but I'm exploring the idea on the blog there that, uh, that I have never, I have never voted for a Republican for president. And, uh, that may be my fault. It may not be my fault, but I've never done it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to examine, uh, over the, over the campaign here, um, whether what it would take to get me to vote for a Republican, and uh, not that that is my end goal, but really, am I so closed off to the idea that I would never do it? I don't know, and I'm going to try to figure that out. If that's vaguely interesting, you can you can read those things. They'll come out every every week or so because I have the the time to write those. Um, if you're not interested, you know, ignore it. Don't worry about it. Uh, and as far as that blog goes. Initially, I started doing show notes over there, um, mostly because Tina suggested it, and uh, a, lot of sh- a lot of podcasts have show notes, and I did a couple of them, and I, I didn't get a single stick of feedback on any of the show notes once I started doing them, and I figured, uh, I guess what's, what's happening is that since I'm getting the ideas out in audio form, I've never really felt compelled to then do the same ideas again um, in writing so I, that was always kind of sporadic, and I've decided I'm not going to do that anymore. Um, I don't know that anybody was actually following that, although I guess if there's this huge amount of feedback now saying, no, please keep doing the, um, the show notes, I'll, I'll rethink that. But uh, right now, assume there are no more show notes, no more new show notes going up on the blog over there. Um, you know, unless, unless somebody out there really cares. Okay. Uh, the other thing that I've been doing, writing-wise... Uh, I mentioned previously about televisionzombies.com. The the new podcast that Tina, Jeff, and Jake are doing is called Television Zombies. You can find it on iTunes. Uh, You can also find televisionzombies.com, which is the website they set up to support the podcast there. And Television Zombies is uh, them discussing uh, television, basically, and uh, and what it takes to be a good show and all that kind of thing, which I find interesting. Um, 
But the cool thing about that is I've convinced them to let me write television reviews on their blog on televisionzombies.com. So um, if you're at all interested in the various reviews that I'm doing on uh, uh, for TV shows, you can go over there and check that out and subs- subscribe to their podcast. And that'll be kind of a cool thing. Um, again, not required, uh, but certainly out there if you are at all interested in any of that. Yeah, cool. Okay. All right. I've got three emails here that I'm going to read. Uh, and answer a couple of questions. Uh, my dilemma here was that these emails actually bring up questions that could be entire shows in and of themselves. Um, but uh, beca- but um, I'm just doing them, and I'm going to sort of answer these questions in a in a general way right now. And uh, if if um, it, there comes a point where I feel the need to revisit any of this stuff. It very well may be uh, a, a whole new show in the future. But for now, I'm just going to read these and answer a couple of questions. Um, and, and some of these, I, I'm, I think I'm doing these three in chronological order that they were sent to me. Um, so this first one here is from Jamu uh, from New Zealand. And I th- I've, I've been sitting on this email for, for a month and a half or something now. So uh, sorry about that, but this is the first show. So uh, here we go. All right. Kia ora and g'day, Jonah from New Zealand. Having a whale of a time. Yeah, whale jokes. Uh, I've been listening to your podcasts. Good stuff, man. Ideal background and fill-in information for someone like me, which is someone who's writing a play my first. I have no experience acting or writing plays before, and I am flying blind most of the time. I got this idea of a play from the desire to share my interests in creativity and music. I saw a solo performance of a woman, Helen Mulder, uh, performing her own play to small intimate house concerts around New Zealand last year. It was called Playing Miss Haversham. He gives a URL here, which is a big, long, rambly URL, and I will not repeat it. Um, search, for, search for her if you're interested in that. Uh, she used a mini disc with pre-recorded material on it, which she used by a remote control to great effect, and I saw great potential in this. I've been writing my play since then, over a year now, and have enjoyed the research phase immensely, and am having difficulty in getting dialogue going between the characters, in spite of having lots of ideas. Listening to your podcasts have been great for me. I think I need to read some play scripts, preferably solo plays, to understand how it's really done and how I can go about it. Could you advise where I can read these for free on the internet? Uh, Jamu from New Zealand. I, I cut out the second half of your email there, because what what he does is he goes on to describe the play that he's doing and ask me for feedback on it. So um, so I have two thoughts here. Um, in response to your email, Jamu, and I'm assuming I'm pronouncing Jamu correctly. Um, here we go. First one, Internet Archives. And I kind of mentioned a couple of these things in my email response to you, but I'm going to tell them to everybody. If you guys are interested in going out there and looking for, like, uh, uh, play archives on the web... I'm I'm certainly not the authority on where to go find these archives. I've done some searching in the past, and what I have sort of discovered, and if anybody out there has anything to add to this, um, please send in an email, let me know, and I'll give that information in a future episode. But what I have generally found is that most... Th- th- there's basically copyright issues here. Most contemporary plays uh, where, certainly if the playwright's still alive, or if they're only recently deceased... The copyright is still being enforced. So something like Waiting for Godot or Godot, depending on, you know, how anal you are, um, is not in the public domain. That is still a copyright owned by Sam Beckett. 
and his, or I should say his estate. And they are very, uh, they are very uptight about letting that material get out there. So something like that, if you do find that script for free up on the internet, it is being offered for free because they are breaking the law by giving it to you for free. If you find an archive with a bunch of free scripts in it, those are usually public domain scripts. You're going to see a lot of Shakespeare. You're going to see a lot of old stuff in there. And that's cool. Um, if Certainly, if you've not read a lot of plays, it's worth reading a bunch of this stuff, knowing uh, ahead of time that writing styles, certainly from Shakespeare, um, Moliere, and, you know, even uh, Ibsen, and, and all this kind of stuff, writing styles have changed, so it's worth finding contemporary play scripts that have been published as well. You can usually do that at your library. I'm assuming New Zealand has libraries, know you got sheep down there, assume you got libraries, uh, <laughs> go to your library and, uh, and check that out. Um, and maybe, maybe you could even do some kind of like interlibrary exchange kind of thing. Um, so, so it's going to be difficult for the most part to find contemporary play scripts that are free online. If anybody out there knows of an archive where there are contemporary, uh, scripts for free, let me know and I'll let people know. Now you can find websites of individual playwrights who may or may not be putting their stuff out there. And that's cool if you do know that, but generally these are not, you know, wide reaching as far as the library goes. Um, uh, as far as solo plays go, I think I mentioned this in my email response to you, Jamu. Um, the two that I can think of are, um, um, I am my own wife, which, which, uh, won the, uh, Oh, what did it win? Did it win the Tony or the Pulitzer or it won something big last year, 2006, I think. Um, I've not seen it. I've not read it, but it's a big, successful one-person play. So I'm assuming that you're going to learn something from it. Um, though, again, I say I have not seen it yet. I hear lots of good things about it. Um, the other that comes to mind is a play called The Circumference of a Squirrel, uh, which I saw a couple years ago at Charter Theater here in D.C., which I'm a really big fan of. And, you know, if I had thought about it, I would have pulled up um, the names of the playwrights here to give you those. But you could probably Google. In fact, I did Google both of those titles and found the information when I was writing my email back to you, Jamu. So um, um, so anybody else out there interested in one-person plays, you might start with those. Um, check out your library. Um, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, cool. Um, the second part of... Um, of this email, the, the part that I cut out where, where you were sending me a bunch of information, um, like your outlines, things like that. So I guess um, I'm at a point now uh, where a couple of folks have sent me things that they've written, asking for some thoughts and feedback and things like that. And generally, that's cool. I don't mind doing that. Um, as, as Joseph will tell you, I'm not always prompt. <laughs> I have not, I've still not gotten back to you, man, um, on my response to your stuff that you wrote. I'm sorry about that. Um, but, uh, I will, I, I, you know, I promise it again, but uh, I will, I will, I will say that it's easier for me to respond to thoughts and outlines than it is for me to get back to an actual script. Because if I get a script, my impulse is to actually go through it and give substantial feedback and it's hard for me to do that if I'm given a couple of pages of a thing, but it's easy for me to do it when I'm given like an outline. And it's like, here are my ideas, here are the characters, here's what I'm thinking of doing, what do you think of that? I certainly don't mind doing that at all. Um, and I welcome it. 
Um, and that's and that's cool though. And I promise that I will not be discussing the contents of your stuff on the podcast uh, unless you ask me to. In which case, maybe I will, maybe I won't. But I, I won't. Uh, so, um, doctor patient confidentiality there. All right. Email number two from uh, Tom Hayes. Jonah, just thought I'd shoot you an email and let you know that I've been listening to Theatrically Speaking. I'm up to May 9 now. I've enjoyed it quite a bit. Very thoughtful, especially the consideration of theatricality. I'm an MFA playwright at Cleveland State. Actually, uh, NEO-MFA, N-E-O-M-F-A, um, which is uh, an anacronym, I'm assuming. Uh, five or so universities sharing their degree programs, which is kind of cool. Uh, a bunch of, of areas do that. I know Boston does a lot of that kind of stuff, too. Um, I've got a blog at uh, www.webelly.com, W-E-E-B-E-L-L-Y.com, where I'm uh, trying to start a fairly consistent review of the plays I'm reading, seeing, or whatever. You're an Akeborn guy. I'm into Sam Shepard, especially his early stuff. You're actually talking smack about MFA programs right now, which I find ironic, given my previous paragraph. I've actually had a pretty damn good experience in my program, and it's not about formatting. The playwriting classes that I've had have uh, dedicated writing and workshopping and not just touchy-feely stuff either. Of course, that's in there. Most are targeted to getting plays finished and up. I've also got a good professor-slash-mentor named Mike Gaither who is an advocate for the playwrights, finding us theaters making connections, like with Convergence, Continuum, or Cleveland Public Theater, etc. He actually just had a play at the Bay Area Playwrights Festival in San Francisco, uh, Stars Fell All Night, and has another going to Toronto and Chicago, Living Tall. Regardless, I have a day job as a librarian and and am and... (laughs) and am in the MFA for theory, process, and connections anyway. The writing is pretty steady, and I found your last episode, When a Play is Done, quite valuable as you addressed questions that I've had regarding finished plays I've set aside, but have been hesitant to close the door on. And I found uh, Lee Blessing's comment that he'd not go back to an earlier play because it would disrupt the current play he's working on pretty much spot on. Regardless, I've sort of shot my mouth off, but wanted to let you know that I'm listening and enjoying what you have to say. There is stuff I would take issue with, and maybe I'll shoot my mouth off later on that, too. Thanks for the good work, though, and keep it coming. Tom Hayes. Cool. Thanks, Tom. Thanks very much. Um, I, I don't remember the number, uh, the episode number when I did talk about um, higher degree programs for playwriting. Uh, and just to, just to clarify, if, I, if, I, if, the in, if the end result of my thoughts there, uh, well, what, they, what the end result should have been was that and you've done this. You've actually done this really well, it sounds like. Before you go into an MFA uh, playwriting program or any, you, you know, if you can find a bachelor's playwriting program somewhere, before you do that, make sure that this program is going to give you exactly what you want. Um, when, I was, uh, when I was going into my master's program, I didn't really have specific goals outlined for things that I wanted to learn from an MFA in playwriting. And because of that, I didn't end up with an MFA in playwriting. I decided to concentrate somewhere else. Um, If anybody out there is thinking about an MFA, if it's something that you really want to do, I by no means should you not do it. Uh, I would never tell you not to do it. I would say just make sure uh, you know, a master's program, a PhD program, anything like that, so much energy really, really needs to be spent on making sure that the program you're going into is the program that you're expecting to get. 
it's easy to make mistakes because these different programs have different sets of emphases. And, you know, if you can find an awesome mentor or, or department chair or someone like that in the school, power to you, even better. Um, but they're potentially the really good people in the different departments may be really good at things that you're not particularly interested in. So definitely, um, what I would encourage everybody to do is, is exactly what Tom has done there and make sure that the program that you're in or that the program you're applying for want to go into, you know what it is, you know exactly what it is, you know why you are there and you spend that, all that money and all that time and energy Get what you want to get. Make sure that you're not wasting time. Make sure that you're actually doing all this stuff. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, nice to hear from a Sam Shepard fan as well. Uh, a playwright that I don't know that I've mentioned at all so far in any of, the, any of these episodes. Maybe maybe a while ago. But um, thanks, Tom. Thanks very much for your email. And I'm going to get back to a thought there in a little bit after this third email. This third email from Jed. All right. Hi there, I'm Jed Rudd. I'm a playwright in Henderson, Nevada, and I've been listening to your podcasts. I appreciate what you're doing, and I've got, and I've got to congratulate you on creating something that's educational and entertaining without being pretentious or patronizing. It really reminds me of something that Neil Labute said about playwriting. It's like we're buffaloes on the verge of extinction, and we've got to look out for each other and help each other. I really sense that camaraderie in your podcasts. I'm still catching up on all the back episodes, as I've only been listening to your stuff since August or so. I'll have more questions and feedback as I get through all your podcasts. Do you copyright your work before you submit it to various theaters? My instructor in my undergraduate program said not to worry about it, and a workshop instructor said it was necessary. My plays are in various stages of development, and I know that more productions will result in newer drafts, so is it worth it to copyright it when it's just going to change? I have to concur with your advice on multiple hats. One of the biggest mistakes slash learning experiences I had as I began writing was directing my work. It robbed me of such a valuable experience as a playwright, and my play didn't get the work the production presented. I'd be interested to read some of your plays as a writer learning from another writer. Feel free to add my address to your list. I would really like to start out with the ones that have had recent productions. You refer to them often, and I'd like to have a better idea of what you're talking about. On Island, and the one with soft in the title. I should remember it since it only has two words or something in the title. But hey, it's still pretty early in the morning. Congratulations on the new child and upcoming production. November, right? Uh, of your work. Talk to you later. Jed. Hey, Jed. What's up? A um, couple of things here. Uh, copyright. Copyright law. I am certainly not an expert in copyright law, but there are a couple of things that I do know. There is... There's another podcast... If any of you guys, uh, if you listen to a lot of podcasts, you've probably come across Leo Laporte. Um, He does the This Week in Media. He produces, uh, in fact, uh, not This Week in Media, This Week in Tech. Um, In fact, if you go, if you search for This Week in Tech, you're going to find that he actually puts out a whole bunch of podcasts. Uh, I I don't don't even know. He might, they might be close to the double digits now for the number of podcasts that he's producing. One of them is a legal podcast podcast. Um, and although they deal specifically with copyright in regards to media, this is, there is some crossover here, though not entirely all about crossover. Uh, here's, here's copyright law as I understand it. And if, again, anybody, uh, has any corrections or anything to add to this, um, feel free to let me know. 
and I will pass that along. Copyright. Here's, here's the thing with copyright. If you copyright your first draft, uh, basically what you're doing is you're sending in your script, you're filling out some forms. Uh, if, you, if you're going through the Library of Congress, if you're going through the Library of Congress, which is the way a lot of, well, okay, Library of Congress or the Screenwriters Guild. If you're going through the Library of Congress, what they're going to do is they take your money and they catalog it. If you make subsequent changes to your work, you do not need to re-copyright it. You don't need to send them another draft and another check and another form. They're, they're, the philosophy there is that if this is a, a substantial work, and firstly, I would say, certainly if you're writing like a short play, like a 10-minute play, don't, don't worry about it um, initially. If, but if you've got a, a full-length play and you want to copyright it, it's, o- it's okay uh, well, I mean, that, that, but that's the process. You would send them the script, you would send them the money and the forms and all that kind of thing. And then if you make minor changes, you change the names of characters, you put in some subplots, take away 20 pages or so, they say it, you have not sufficiently altered the work to make it a new piece of work. So you would not need to recopyright it every time you made some changes. So, so I know that for sure. Um, the other thing I know for sure is that if you have a collection of work, if you have 50 10-minute plays, bind them and you want to copyright them through the Library of Congress, bind them all together and just put on some title, you know, The Collected Short Plays of Jonah. And they will copyright all of them under a single work. Uh, and if anyone tries to steal your one of the 10-minute plays out of 50, it's still covered by their copyright. Uh, I know that they do that. If you are interested at all in screenplays, a a more industry-savvy way to go, not to say that you should not do it through um, at all through Library of Congress, but is to use the Screenwriters Guild, uh, the WGA, Writers, Writers Guild of America, that's it. Um, and you can, you can just, you know, search for them and you'll find their information. And what they do, and this is primarily for like film television stuff, but they will give you a registration number. And what most uh, industry contests will do, and if you're submitting a screenplay off to someone, they don't necessarily care that you've registered it with Screenwriters Guild, uh, with, uh, with Library of Congress, but they want to know that it's registered with uh, Writers Guild of America most of the time. And so the Writers Guild of America gives you a number, a code number, you put that on the cover of your script, and then the contest looks at it and says, okay, it's been registered, I can read it because... And their concern there is that they don't want you to accuse them of stealing your ideas in the past. So they want to make sure that all this stuff is going on there. Um, Do I copyright my own stuff? Um, This is another subtle distinction here because the technical law says that once I have created a work of art and I have fixed it in a medium, I already automatically have a copyright on my thing. So... I'm writing a play. Once I have written it and I've got it printed out, I have a copyright. What you're actually doing with Library of Congress is you're registering your copyright so that you're letting them officially know that you already have it. So you have the copyright once you've done it. If you write a song and you're just sitting there in your room playing guitar and singing your song, you don't have a copyright. You have to record it. You have to write it down, write the tab tabulature down. And then you have your copyright. You can't copyright a title. You can't copyright an idea. There are all kinds of ideas out there. They're stolen all the time. None of that's copyrightable. 
there are all kinds of titles out there stolen all the time. And I don't even necessarily mean stolen as in like, I am consciously taking your ideas, but how many songs are there called heart and soul is the good example. I think there's a lot of them. Um, and that's not a violation of copyright because your title is not copyrightable and you can't, you can't, uh, legally assail an entity for taking your title. Um, that's part of the law right there. Do I do it? No, I don't do it. Uh, well, I mean, I have, I have the copyright because I've printed it out. I do not register everything. My philosophy there is I'm kind of, I'm at like the mid range of success as, as far as playwrights go, I guess. I've never been on Broadway or anything like that, but I've had, uh, a couple years where I've made a couple thousand dollars as a playwright. So, I mean, there is some, and that's, that's, by the way, that's primarily from like, uh, grants and commissions and stuff. That's not from like production money. Um, so I'm not at a point where people are, are thinking, let me steal Jonah's new play. Um, on the other hand, suppose I send my play off to a theater. If someone wants to take it, if, if you're, if your morality is such that you want to steal somebody else's ideas, the fact that they have like registered their copyright isn't, isn't going to deter that. Um, that's my theory there. Now, if on the other hand, in three years, I go out and I see that someone has an almost identical play as mine that is getting much more play or publicity. Firstly, and this is a big long thing and I'm not a legal guy and I'm a half hour into the show anyway, so I've got to stop talking about copyright. Um, um, but basically that's it. Do I do it? No. My general feeling is that, um, if someone wants to steal it, they're going to steal it. If I, and I, I actually think that if I thought someone had authentically ripped off one of my plays to a large extent, I think I would punch them and then let that be it. I think that to a certain extent, we're really afraid of punching people in the nose these days. And I think that with something like that, I don't necessarily need a lot of money. I just want to go punch somebody in the nose for something like that. Um, so that's my solution to copyright is just, you know, I don't need to spend the money to register it. Um, I'm just going to knock the guy out. You know, that's cool. That's my solution. My suggestion there anyway. Um, um, can you read some of my plays? Yeah, I don't mind that. Um, that's fine. And in fact, I had been thinking since you can send text files out over RSS that I thought I might send out one of my plays kind of as a test over over the podcast thing um i don't know is that a good idea maybe does anybody care about that uh, i guess then it but this then gets into the copyright thing what if everybody rips off my play i'm pretty sure that y'all are not going to do that um and really you know i, I don't know I, i'm more in favor of getting the information out there you know i wrote it and plus the fact that i would then have an electronic um proof of when it was distributed I would already have the copyright there anyway, so, or proof of copyright. So, anyway, yeah, yeah, um, what do you want? Do you want the one with soft in the title? <laughs> um, I can send you that. That's fine. That's no problem. Um, all right. Okay, so that's really like a half hour in just going through that stuff. Um, one of the things that's going to come up, I think, is that because of baby and because of dogs and just life, the show may become a little bit more segmented if there are a lot of noise uh, disruptions in, in the future, then it's quite possible that I will divide this up into segments so that I can record like a 10 minute thing or a 20 minute thing and then piece them together later with like a little musical bump. Uh, but um, so far today, we're doing all right, doing all right, even though, even though it's late. But, uh, you know, hey, it's the uh, first episode back after almost two months. 
it's going to be a little bit long. I got a little bit of space here. Okay, cool. Oh, and the thing that I want to get back to, um, the thing with, uh, the th- one of the things that's, that was really cool for me about Lee doing those two episodes there was that the first one, he, he took an idea that I had, that I had thrown out there and he did his sort of reaction and building upon my idea there, which made me think, um, that I'd like to do a little bit more of that. And not necessarily just because of the time crunch thing, but because there are a lot of you guys out there that have a lot of experience with theater, that you have your own ideas and you may have issues with, with my position on something, or you may want, or you may have a unique perspective on an issue that I just don't have because your experiences are different from my experiences. So I'm officially going to offer an open invitation to everybody who listens to Theatrically Speaking if you would like to have your own episode of Theatrically Speaking, I'm going to open that up and make it possible. Here's what I would say. One, you need to have a topic that carries through the whole episode. Yeah. Um, somewhere between 20, 30 minutes in that range. Sound quality has to be decent. Um, you know, Skype kind of bugs me sometimes. So, you know, decent sound quality. Um, but basically, that's it. You can take a topic that I've already talked about. And you can uh, say, I disagree with you on this and this, or I want to build on this and all that kind of thing. Or you can do a continuation of an idea. So, for example, uh, I did that Samuel Beckett uh, episode a while ago. If there was a listener out there that really wanted to do an episode on, oh, I don't know, Sam Shepard or somebody. uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Send me an email. Let me know that this is something that you're thinking about, something that you want to do. And, you know, and let me know what it is that you want your topic to be. And that's cool. Um, and that's, yeah, yeah. So let me, let's, let's just say that. Uh, and Jonah at Jonah of the com would be where you would uh, send your email to propose an episode. Let's open it up. Let's have some fun with this. Let's get the community involved, baby. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then the second part of this, before we get into the topic of 9.1, is that uh, 9.2 is going to be about reviews and critics and uh, theater criticism and that sort of thing. And I'm telling you this now because although I'm doing 9.2 because the, the two most recent reviews that I have are based on On Island. So I'm going to talk specifically with these two reviews in context of On Island. But if any of you guys have thoughts or comments about reviews or about critics, send me an email. And we can open up the conversation a little bit more that way. Um, if you have reviews of your shows that you would like me to talk about or to share with everybody, if there's a particular paragraph that you would like to point out um, in a particular review, it doesn't have to be about your show, um, yeah, go ahead, do that. And, um, and I'm going to try to do this from now on uh, in letting you guys know what the next topic's going to be so that you can send in an email, you can send in your thoughts about the next week's topic. Um, and hopefully, hopefully that'll be cool. Hopefully this will turn into a thing and, uh, and that'll be good. So, so criticism and reviews next week. That'll be 9.2. 9.1, Tech Week. Why am I doing Tech Week? Uh, tech Week for, uh, for playwrights. Oftentimes, playwrights are not involved in Tech Week. Uh, because oftentimes playwrights are not in rehearsal. Um, but there are a lot of folks that listen to this show that are that for whom 
playwriting is not their primary source of writing. That it might be comic books, it might be fiction, it might be screenplays, it might be whatever it is. So for those of you who are thinking about writing plays but have not, that, that don't have active theater experience, it's worth going into Tech Week um, and talking about what this is. It's also, I think, you know, maybe for those of you with lots and lots of theater experience, this may not be the most engaging episode, but everybody's tech week is potentially a little bit different depending on how your theater works. So, um, and I am in general in favor of playwrights doing stuff other than writing. And I've mentioned that before, get out and do some acting, some directing, work backstage and all that kind of thing. You learn about the writing, you learn about the play production process, which then helps your writing. So here's what tech week is. Tech week usually it's called Tech Week because it's usually about a week long. It's usually the show, the week that your show opens. And it is when all of the tech comes together with what's been going on in rehearsals. All kinds of people start showing up and start building things and everything becomes a big mess. And then it all comes together into a thing of artistic beauty. Yes, it does. Not every time. M- much of the time. Most of the time. Yeah, most of the time. Because art's beautiful. Okay, so Tech Week. Uh, And I'm going to tell you specifically about the Tech Week for On Island. This is not, for those of you who are new, this is not by rote. Um, Every theater company does it a little bit differently. But ultimately, the end result, hopefully, is the same. Uh, um, So I've mentioned before that what we did with On Island was uh, we did all the building of the set and preparation of the tech elsewhere because we rent this particular theater. So our rental began on Sunday afternoon. On Sunday, uh, there was a rehearsal that I was at, and uh, around 3 o'clock, we began, uh, I had left the rehearsal and had begun the loading in process. Loading in, if you don't know, is when you take all the stuff, usually props and costumes and set, and load it into your truck or your van and drive it over to the theater and then load it into the theater space. So this can take a while. Uh, We did most of the building of our set in um, uh, uh, Jay's garage, a board member who, uh, the only board member who actually had a sizable garage that we could use for building. So we did that um, prior to load-in. So we had all this stuff together. And uh, load-in, getting there around 4 o'clock, it took a couple of hours. So because we had these three big platforms um, that took a couple of people to move, we, uh, we got them into the space. Sunday was primarily getting everything there and getting it preliminarily set up. We didn't do anything with sound. Uh, Well, that's not true. The sound designer did, in fact, rehang the speakers as everything else was coming in. So uh, we so sound was sound was rehanging speakers. We didn't do anything with lights. Actors for this show uh, were the ones who primarily brought their costumes and a lot of the props that we were using in rehearsals and things like that. So actors brought that stuff. All of our volunteers brought all the set and all that, brought it into the space. We assembled it roughly the way it was supposed to be, and that took a while. And then after that, um, the volunteers who were there specifically to load uh, left, and I stayed with a couple of other folks, and we started screwing things together and trying to make everything look nice. And we were there, I don't remember what time we were there till. We were there till probably like 11, 11 something, 10 something, 11 something, maybe something like that. No, 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 that's not true. Because I had to leave around 6 because I had to go into work for about 3 hours that night. Because uh, 
So, okay. So that's right. I did the load in, had to, uh, starting around three, four o'clock, everything there, left at six to go back home, worked until about nine o'clock. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's what happened on Sunday. Monday was our first, uh, full run on the set. I got there early Monday and made sure that everything was safe for actors to walk on. Um, we didn't, we had not begun lights at this point still, although the sound designer uh, was there working on some sound stuff. Um, and a couple other folks were there. We were doing some painting. We were doing, um, we still had to put together some pieces of furniture. We built a bar, um, we brought in some stuff that we had to paint. We, we painted a bench, we painted some chairs, we painted the platforms and all this kind of thing. Um, so getting everything ready and dressing the set, dressing the set is, a uh, um, it's set on an Island. So what we did was we brought in some stuff that kind of looked like sand, uh, to put that underneath the platform. So the platform would kind of have this boardwalk look effect and then buying some uh, fake grasses at the marts that we would that we put underneath there so it looked like there was grass growing out of the sand underneath the boardwalk, which I think was actually a very cool effect. Um, so we're working on that kind of stuff. Uh, around, I think, 8 o'clock, we began the run-through for the night because, uh, you know, regular 8 o'clock start, so you want to get involved in that. Um, so what am I doing as a playwright during this? Um, almost nothing almost nothing as a playwright. Um, the bulk of my work had been done, uh, bulk of the work during rehearsals had been done ahead of this time, and now I'm primarily functioning as, as techie, as, uh, as builder, as that kind of thing. So here's where it gets fun. I got home at uh, 11.45 on Monday night. Um, at 12 o'clock, <laughs> Lisa's water breaks. Okay, so, so we go to the hospital. Uh, this is, again four weeks early, three and a half weeks early. Um, so, so what then? So, uh, Milo was born at six forty-four in the morning. Everybody's healthy and happy and all that kind of thing. And so we're, we're going on, we're going on about 24 hours without me sleeping at that point. Uh, and remember I'm also acting in this show. So I got like two hours of sleep there at the couch in the hospital and went home, changed my clothes, back to the theater. And so that's Tuesday. I think uh, I, I'm pretty sure I got there around noon or so. We had intended to have the Tuesday rehearsal be the tech through or the, the cue to cue. A cue to cue is when instead of actually running all the dialogue and getting emotionally engaged in each scene, the actors are there with full lights, full sound, all the props working, making sure that, you know, the quick changes, you know, do we have to tweak a little bit of the blocking to make sure that this actor has time to do a quick change before they come back on are the lights focused in the areas that we need them to be my plan had been to spend tuesday morning making sure that all the lights got finished didn't happen uh so we did not do the q to q on tuesday had a had a regular rehearsal instead um wednesday uh again lights had not been done and you know this is a, a point where most everything uh, was still being painted um we got some lattice we had to cut off this lattice because we surrounded two of the platforms with this uh with the uh, with painted lattice and what that did was it created a rustic feel it gave it kind of a uh, a colonial house effect and but it still let you have depth by looking underneath the platforms and seeing you know that seagrass and that sand look underneath um, 
built a railing in front because the boardwalk needed a railing. We built a number of these little staircases around. Um, still getting all that finished. Um, Wednesday, all that. Thursday, um, Thursday was when we did our Q to Q. So uh, we're a little bit, a little bit lagging on that, uh, and that was that was, I guess, primarily my fault. Uh, you could blame Milo, but um, you know, uh, the nice thing about this particular group that I was working with on this show was that for some reason they were very understanding that uh, the lights were not done on schedule. Um, so that was cool. That was, uh, but it, but it, it came off very nicely. We were able to get that all done on Thursday, um, and um, and that worked out. That worked out really nice, and that got us all set for Friday when we opened. Yeah, uh, and I'll tell you what. It sounds like I didn't get a whole lot of sleep that week, and and I didn't. I didn't get very much at all. But but uh. And and for that, for even though we didn't, we were late having all the tech finished, and even though everybody was doing more than they normally would, because as the as the guy, me being the guy who was coordinating any everyone, we had some techs who got there that were like, I thought we were working on lights today, and then you know we're delayed in their them getting started, and all this kind of thing. Everything turned out pretty well, um, and the only thing I think that would have really been different if Milo had not been born that week would be that we would have had those tech rehearsals earlier. But the thing is, throughout the run of the play, the lights were fine. The sound was fine. The set was the set was pretty much there. I don't know. I mean, now I was working on it up until, you know, two hours before opening. And then we did a little bit of tweaking on Saturday. Uh, you know, with a little bit of tweaking of like this light and that light and that kind of thing, but there were no big changes. There was no major thing that didn't happen. So um, I guess that means that we had the whole thing pretty well organized ahead of time so that even with, with me and Lisa, Lisa being the managing director of the theater, uh, even with both of us, with her not there at all, and me being much more limited than we had originally intended, um, it still came off pretty well. I think. I think. Yeah. All right. So what exactly is the playwright's role in all that mess? You know, and that's a valid question. I just told you this thing um, uh, all about Tech Week. And what is the playwright doing here? Well, the playwright. So here's the thing. We had a lot of because because I, as the playwright, had been in rehearsals, even though I was not functioning as playwright in those rehearsals, I had the opportunity to address a lot of the technical things before we got into this into the space. For example, um, change between this scene and that scene. One actor, the, one actor in the show plays two different characters. Um, actor leaves the scene. There's a transition to the next location. Actor comes back on as another as another character, and we realized early on in the rehearsals that that was going to be pretty tight. So. We did a little bit of tweaking as far as uh, some dialogue goes, and in the rehearsal process, we made that change. If the playwright's not in rehearsal and that change needs to happen, that would happen in tech week because you get in there and you're like, oh, costume's not working. Playwright, do you have a solution if playwright is there? Hopefully playwright is there. Um, yeah, uh, that would be when we say, hey, this, you know, it, um, where you would where you would make those changes if 
the fix for those changes needs to be in the text. And sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. There was another scene where we were having some some tech issues not because of the text or and not, I shouldn't say tech issues um over the over the course of the play the the main character gets increasingly tired uh her roommate is keeping her up so she's not staying home this whole thing's going on so she um there are two scenes where she spends the night basically at her office and the first time she comes in the director Jessica had it set up so that um the character was asleep on the floor when her boss entered the script did not did not say that the script said that she was at her at her desk typing uh and looked tired and was weary and all this sort of thing and because she was asleep on the floor there were some problems not initially with not around the blocking but because she was asleep and being woken up on stage it implied that she had slept there whereas in the script it actually uh she uh, and i take back a little bit of what i said before it's not that she had slept there it's that she couldn't sleep at home so she left home a lot earlier and was already exhausted and working so what jessica said was hey this doesn't seem to be working we should change some lines and i said no we shouldn't change the lines around that the lines are fine the blocking, you know, this this blocking is not what is written. And if it's directed the way it's written, you won't have this blocking issue. You won't have an issue with the props in the set if it's just if the blocking is just tweaked to go with what the script says. And that happens now and again. Um, we probably had half dozen moments like that in the production where uh, act, just through the rehearsal process director and actors came up with a bit of business or a bit of thing that they can do during a transition that was not 100% faithful to the text. And as the playwright, I'm okay with that until it gets to the point that the blocking or the new stuff that's being layered on means that the text doesn't work like it did in that example. So, um, um, so that would be the time in the middle of all this mess, in the middle of, um, you know, people on ladders and people with, uh, with tools and they're, and they're building a thing and they're building this piece of set that you, the play right now, you're seeing it for the first time. You're like, that is totally not going to work with this. I think I mentioned this, uh, previously, not with on Island, but with, um, uh, my play techies that was done, uh, when I was in grad school, I don't, I don't know if I mentioned this before. I may have mentioned this before. It still blows my mind. Um, Techies is a play that's designed to be done with very... It, it's designed to be low cost. It has, it has, it has 10 actors, which is, which is a little much, I think. But it's a farce. And it's set in a theater, so it's set on an empty stage, right? And that's basically it. The idea is that it's empty, and the stuff that you have, as far as the tech goes, the stuff that you already have in the theater can be adapted to be used in this play because they're building a set, but it doesn't specify what the set is, right? So so I just, I write this thing thinking that it's going to be ch- cheap and easy to produce. And they there's a, it was a student des, uh, set designer with not a whole lot of oversight, I got to say, who um, decided that in the black box theater, he was going to build a stage on the stage 
for the play to take place on. So I wasn't involved in that decision, and I was definitely not as assertive as I should have been um, when that came up. And I don't even know at what level I really found out that they were building a stage on the stage to represent a stage. Um, uh, but, but that is an example of something that if I had known about and if I had, uh, you know, moxie enough to do, uh, that's something that as a playwright, you got to stop that. That's just a, that's just a mess. What, what the hell is that? I, I give you the, uh, I write a script that's going to save you money. It's going to save you labor. It's going to save you manpower and you do that to it. What, what do you, uh, oh, anyway, anyway. Um, so we're going on, we're a little under an hour here and I'm going to let it go, but I've got some bandwidth. So it's okay that this is a little bit longer. Uh, we're going to get back to the 20 some, uh, 30 some minute format next time, but there was a lot of stuff to talk about ahead of time there. All right. So where does that leave us now? This has been episode 9.1 of Theatrically Speaking. I am Jonah Knight. I'm your host. Uh, you could check me out on Facebook. Facebook and MySpace. There are links on the website. You can go to the JonahOfTheSea.com and uh, look at the blog to read bloggy things. You can go to TelevisionZombies.com to look at some writing stuff that I'm doing over there. You can write me an email at Jonah at JonahOfTheSea.com. You can start to produce your own episode of Theatrically Speaking, but let me know if that's something you decide to do. You can write me an email about reviews and critics, and we can uh, integrate that into the next episode. And um, is that about it? That might be about it. All right. Thanks very much. I'll talk at you later. Baby, dear, but you ain't no Shakespeare. Try to make me to be high class, and I would David Bam.